0: Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch where we wrap up the series on the 456 system for living made up of four daily rituals. Five Habits and Six Life Hacks. And I can't believe that we are finally at the sixth life hack. So it's going to be a little bit sad to leave you after this, but I have some incredible guests coming up on the podcast from next week. But let's focus on the sixth life hack and one that really rounds off the series and one that is often forgotten. Now, before I tell you what that is, I just want to recap what the six life hacks, how they've been divided. So they've been made up of three physical health hacks and three intellectual slash emotional, if you like. So the three physical have been the morning five detox, eating hacks, and sleeping hacks. And those three will give you an energy explosion because they work on the physical. The second three is about stimulating your intellectual and your emotional energies because remembering the tree of health is the one in the middle represents our life force under the higher branch framework and that is made up of four energies physical mental as an intellectual or cognitive emotional and spiritual and for each one of these energies The deeper we go, the higher the frequency, the physical being the lowest frequency, intellectual being the second highest frequency, at 64 times more powerful than the physical. We all know that, right? If we think about something, we can have a physiological response. The emotional, again, is at a higher frequency than the intellectual. It's 5,000 times higher than the mental or intellectual energy. And lastly, the spiritual is infinite right? So scientists have not been able to measure the infinite uh, possibilities in that spiritual frequency that we vibrate at. And this is an area that we haven't touched on in the past. And uh, because we don't have the competency, and I'm hoping one day I will have an expert on that field. But let's focus today on the sixth life hack, which uh, stimulates our intellectual and emotional energy. So remembering that the the fourth life hack was all about creative imagination and how you can use that as a life hack. The fifth life hack was the socializing hacks and how you can utilize that to boost your success. Today's one is in that series, if you like, of intellectual and emotional life hacks. And for me, everything goes back to the high branch framework. Now, the high branch framework is made up of the what we need to focus on and that is the eight areas and the how is the circle of conscious living but if we look at the what there are eight areas made up of health representing the fundamental human need for energy love for intimacy family for support work for fulfillment friendship for belonging learning for growth wealth for freedom and charity for contribution today's life hack is focused on fulfillment, and that is the area of work. And so I'm going to share with you the hacks that will actually boost your performance at work, whether you work for someone else or whether you have your own business. Now, why is work hacks so important? Well, I can tell you that My success in life is not just about health and fitness. It's not just about my personal relationships in the tree of family, the tree of love, the tree of friendship, but it's also been about my performance at work. So that's why when it comes to life hacks, we cannot ignore that hacks that stimulate that fundamental human need for fulfillment. Work is absolutely critical for our emotional well-being because when we are fulfilled from our job... It makes us happy, and that in turn makes our personal life a lot easier. When we are happy in our professional life, we are happy in our personal life and vice versa. So today I'm going to share with you my five working hacks that will help you achieve success in your chosen career or business. Now these are principles that I live by, and modesty aside, they've made me number one in my field of banking and finance law. Now, I learned these myself through trial and error using the Higher Branch Framework, but I also learned them from others and people that have been along my life journey, not only people that I know, but people that will surprise you. So people that I know, my father has been an inspiration for some of these five work hacks that I'm going to share with you. The other person is a musician, Prince, Prince Rogers Nelson. I was a musician when I went through law school and most of my inspiration when i started working in law was came from music and design so it doesn't have to be people in your own field there was no certainly no no one in the banking and finance legal industry that really was an inspiration to me but you can draw an inspiration from others and once i go through these five working hacks with you you'll see what i mean that they are universal across all industries now when it comes to, you know, drawing inspiration from from people, now it doesn't mean you idolize these people. They just inspire you to be your best potential. In fact, I always tell my team that your ultimate goal at work is to become an inspiration to the person sitting to your left or to your right. If you are a parent, your goal as a parent is to inspire your kids to believe in themselves. It is to be an example and not an idol. It's a huge difference. When you follow idols, when you idolize someone, means you want to be like them. And if you're a parent, you don't want your kids to be like you. You want them to be them, themselves their, with their own unique skills and talents. And so that's what I'm talking about here. And ultimately, we all need a person that motivates us, whether you know, it's a friend, a work colleague, someone that you don't know, that you hear about, someone famous. Look at David Goggins, right? He has become an inspiration to so many people. And it's because he shares some of these five life hacks that I'm going to go through with you today that is all about your performance at work. And remembering the word life hack is about giving you that competitive edge. It is about giving you more energy. It is about making you more effective in your life. And work is a part of your life. It's one of the eight areas. So that's why I don't like the words or the phrase work-life balance. It's just life balance. It's less about balance, more about completeness, living a holistic life. And work is an important element. For me, I rank work as my number four priority in life. Number one being my health. Number two being my partner. Number three, my family. Then it comes to work. But I have evolved in my application of the higher branch framework so much over the years that All eight areas of my life get equal attention and energy from me because I live a truly holistic life based on that framework. Now, I'm hoping that by the end of this podcast, these five work hacks that I'll be sharing with you will help you achieve what they call in the music industry the triple crown. And I'm going to talk to you about what that triple crown is a little later when I talk about each of the hacks and how some people like the Musician Prince inspired my application of these life hacks. Okay, so let's go through these five principles or these five life hacks for working at the level of excellence. And that's what it's all about. If you achieve excellence, whether in your own business or whether you work for someone else, you're gonna be more successful. You're gonna make more money. You're gonna enjoy your job a lot more you're going to attract good people you're going to attract good opportunities to you now for some people they make it look easy but i promise you it's because they display one or more of these five life hacks and if you display all of them if you infuse all of these five working hacks into your daily life you're going to achieve that triple crown okay Now, my favorite one is number four, but I'm going to put these in the order I think they should go. And number one work hack is to be bold and be fearless. And I say this from experience because I have taken risks at work. I have been bold. So my message is don't try to lose small like most people, try to win big. If you frame your mind in a way that always looks to minimize your losses, you're never going to make it big at work and in your business. If you never take any chances, I guarantee you will have a dull, boring life when it comes to your work life. In fact, for your life in general. I've spoken in the past about the wisdom of the turtle. Most people think of courage and fearlessness and being bold they think of animals like the uh, the eagle or the lion but when you look at the turtle it cannot move forward in life until it sticks its neck out in its shell it's impenetrable so if it sticks its neck in it's going to have a risk-free life where it can't get hurt but it can't move forward until it sticks its neck out and we as humans need to do the same thing so i want you to have an innovation mindset This is what being bold is all about. Let your lens be, how can I do this better? Every time you show up for work, whatever work you're in, whether you're a lawyer, a landscaper, a musician, a hairdresser, we all have opportunities to do things differently, to be bold. And the way to develop this mindset uh, for me is to achieve fearlessness. And it's outside the scope of... This particular podcast to talk about our second framework, and that is the circle of conscious living and how you achieve fearlessness. But I have spoken about it in meditation. I have spoken about it in my podcast on the power of creative imagination. And like I said earlier, I've also been inspired by others to adopt this work hack of being bold and being fearless. So I talked about my father. Now, my father left all his belongings all his wealth in Lebanon when the civil war broke out now a lot of people just stayed there because they were afraid to leave everything behind they were afraid to lose what they had so they stayed there and they ended up losing everything over time and going through a really really tough time now my father stuck his neck out he had the boldness to make that decision to leave everything behind go to another country and start again and for me that was an innovation mindset it was like i can do this better i can do life better in another country so he made that bold move i talked about the musician prince now prince was an inspiration to me because when he first released his three albums he did not care about selling albums he was bold he said things in his music that others wouldn't he did things with his music the way he used percussion was never used like that before you know it became known as the Minneapolis sound now he was only 18 when he launched his first album and he was bold he stuck to his guns and he said i want to produce i want to play every instrument i want to set up the board so he pretty much did everything and now the record executives at the time said no you can't do that you have to do it our way and he walked away and he said well if we're not going to do it my way then we're not going to do it at all so he was quite bold with what he wore with the way he carried himself in interviews. Now, a lot of his music that he uh, produced early on was unplayable on radio. So he's a person that did not care about selling records, did not care about money, but rather making a statement. And it wasn't until his fourth album, you know, Purple Rain album, that he achieved what they call in the music industry as a triple crown. And this is what I want you to achieve in your industry, in your field. The triple crown in music is this. It has been loved by the public, in other words, by record sales and your fans. It has been admired by your peers in the music industry. It was other musicians. And lastly, it has been respected by the critics in the industry themselves, Now, very rarely do you come across musicians in music that wear that triple crown, and Prince did so at the age of 22, and then at the age of 23, he produced his first motion picture movie. I mean, that is phenomenal, where all the actors were all friends of his, won an Oscar, and the rest is history, as they say. So, On this point, on this work hack, and the example that I've given you from Prince and my father who were inspirations, there have been other inspirations for me in life, but I mentioned those two, it's to be bold. And to be bold, you need to stay focused on your micro, I call it. Ignore what is happening at the macro level. We cannot control that. So don't be obsessed with the business news. It makes you fearful and you start to work defensively and out of fear I always say, you know, business is like sport. If you start playing defensively, we stop scoring and eventually we lose the game. If anyone plays cricket would know the moment you start batting on the back foot, you're going to get bowled out or LBW. So you need to go on the front foot. And to do that, you need to be bold and be like the turtle. So that's my work hack number one. Now, number two is one that I learned... Again, from my father and the musician Prince, and that is to have a strong work ethic. You know, my father was an amazing inspiration after we migrated here from Lebanon. He was a hotel manager that did not do any laboring in in Lebanon. He wore a suit most days, clean cut, clean shaved. So when he came out to Australia, he started working two to three jobs. He took up labouring jobs in the building industry. I remember his day would start at 5 a.m. His, you know, ute starting was my alarm clock. And then he would come home at 4 p.m., eat, nap, and then go to his next job of cleaning toilets and office buildings. Like the one that I'm in right now, whenever I walk into my office, I remind myself of where I came from and the shoulder of the giant that I stood on to... Be in the position that I am in today. And so his example of having that strong work ethic really made me embrace working hard and not see it as a negative. And I'm going to talk about that a little later. But first, I wanted to also talk about how Prince inspired this strong work ethic. Because anyone that knows the guy in the music industry, he was tireless, he would work all day in the studio go and rehearse for a concert, deliver a concert, then would go to a nightclub, have an after-party with his band where they would play all night till like 2, 3 a.m., and then he would often go back to the studio. And so he absolutely loved what he did, and he wasn't afraid of hard work. Prince also produced 60 albums. Now, this is an artist who died at the age of 57, And the first, if you discount the first 18 years of his life, that's not that many years on the planet. So that's virtually producing an album or releasing an album every five to six months, which is phenomenal. Uh, On top of that, four motion pictures, including the Oscar-winning Purple Rain. On top of that, 1,487 concerts. This is live ticketed concerts, not counting after shows that he would famously perform after the concerts. So when you look at a career such as the artist of Prince, you can't help but get inspired by their work ethic. And you never heard anything about him suffering from stress or anxiety or depression. So it's obvious that hard work or working hard isn't what makes us stressed, especially when we are doing something that we love. And his example was a phenomenal inspiration for me of a strong work ethic with a passion that just brought joy into your life and fulfillment. And that is what work is all about. It's about being fulfilled in what you do. And so that's why having a strong work ethic is such an important life hack uh, for you to achieve what you want to in life. You know, in Australia, we have a saying on the football field, it goes like this, go hard, or go home. (laughs) So I like this quote, because I believe that work should be a place that challenges us, and not a place where we cruise. You know, it's like sport, it should push us to create, to innovate, and deliver outstanding uh, performance. That's why I always tell my team, the moment we stop challenging you is the moment that you need to look elsewhere. So don't be afraid when... You work with people that challenge you. In fact, you should be seeking out people that challenge you, friends, life partners, and, of course, work colleagues. So I want to give you some sub tips when it comes to this life hack of having a strong work ethic. Some practical uh, tips that you can implement tomorrow. Number one is show up. You know, people with a strong work ethic rarely take a sick day. And for me, my barometer is this. I only ever take a day off if I do not have enough energy to perform my tasks. And that's usually if I have a fever from a virus or what have you, which is very rare. So I think in the last 12 years, I've taken one day off, which says something because I'm wired to show up. I'm wired to show up because I value that strong work ethic from the examples that I've had in my life. The second sub tip is be energetic. You cannot be awesome at work if you do not have high energy, period. So you need to work on the three pillars of good health, you know, nutrition, exercise, relaxation. I've covered this in the previous life hacks and previous podcasts. And a lot of people focus on being energetic on those nutrition, exercise, relaxation, but then they forget that why they're trying to boost their energy is so they can make something of it in their life and for me showing up at work and giving it my all is one of the reasons why i work on my high energy okay the third sub tip under this life hack of a strong work ethic is work harder not just smarter and yes you you heard me correctly so many of us are obsessed with making a quick buck it's really become an international obsession. You know, I've seen books like about the four-hour work week and all the get-rich-quick schemes. It's almost been now validated and condoned by everyone to say, well, what's the way that you can make a quick buck so you can go and live the life that you want to and, you know, sitting on a beach somewhere or on a boat. This is nonsense. Work also makes you happy, not just sitting on a beach, right, but... Where work goes wrong for many people is they redline too much at work and they neglect the other seven other areas of their life, their partner, their family, their friends, their continuous learning, their wealth, and their charity. And for a lot of people in my industry, their health. I want to clarify that working hard does not mean working long hours, okay? I do not work long hours, but the hours that I do work I'm working extremely hard. There is no small chit-chat in my office. I'm serious. I'm there. I'm there to deliver results, not just to go through the motion. So it's about results, and working hard is about channeling your energy so intensely, being so intensely focused on the task that you perform that task much quicker. And that's what working hard is. So it's not just about working smarter. Smarter, you know, was this 90s you know, phrase that everyone was talking about, work smarter, you know, not harder, which really gave people the right of passage to cut corners. (laughs) And, you know, that's the worst thing you can do in your uh, career or business. Believe me, building a career or business is brick by brick, day by day. There is no easier way. You know, I believe that the Western world suffered a global financial crisis because, people were obsessed with this uh, making a quick buck you know something for nothing yeah uh, we borrow and borrow and consume and consume and and think that somehow we'll all pay for itself without having to work hard now this negative mindset had dire consequences not only for the economy but also on people's health and happiness so much so that work stress has become one of the leading causes of anxiety and depression so obviously working smarter did not work for us and, um, but working harder and embracing that. My father worked hard and he also worked long hours. I'll admit that. But he was always happy. He always had a smile on his face. He never dumped on his work. He never complained because he embraced work ethic as a stoic principle that he lived by. Okay, so I've covered three sub tips under the work ethic life hack There is one more, and one that has to do with mindset again, and that is have a no excuses mindset, because I know a lot of people carry around a file full of excuses that they can use, and I say that with the utmost of respect. You know, some of my... People closest to me carry around these excuses, files, I call them, ready to be used whenever they have failed on something. When I say fail, I mean fail to show up, fail to put in the hard work. The blunt truth is this. No one cares about excuses and your personal situation. Sorry to call that out, but it's honest truth. You are hired for a specific reason if you work for someone. And if you have your own business, customers expect a result and if you can't produce results know that there will be someone else out there who will that's just the way of the world so i i want to call it out because i like being truthful to all the listeners of this podcast and tell you what's really going on in the real world and that's what's going on business is all about the bottom line so if you're unable to produce then it's best you look for another career because it obviously means that the career that you're in is not lighting you up it's not lighting up the flame of passion inside of you enough to be able to commit to a strong work ethic. Okay, now let's get on to the work hack number three, and we have five that we're going to cover. And I love this one, it's not my favorite, but I love it. And this is master your craft. And I love it because I've seen what it does to people. Now, I remember after the global financial crisis, I met with all my remaining team members, who started working out of fear rather than out of the love for their job which is what they previously had before the global financial crisis and then I thought to myself you know what I'm going to meet with every one of them and back then you know we went from over 100 staff down to about 18 staff so it was easy for me to meet with all of them in a week and ask them the honest question do you really want to be here because if you don't want to be here then I don't want you batting on the back foot, you know, working defensively out of fear because we're not going to be able to get back to our previous heights as a business if we're going to operate from this fear mindset. So I sat down with them and then I thought, okay, I'm going to ask them that question. Do you really want to be in banking and finance law? And these are lawyers. These are paralegals, career paralegals. And to my surprise... There was only one person out of 18 that actually said that that is the career that they wanted to be in. So it was a bit of a setback for me, right? And a lot of it had to do with the fear of being in an industry which was shedding a lot of jobs. So sometimes what we think about a career that we really don't want to be in is often tainted by what is happening in the media at that given point in time. So we may. we dislike a career or we may think we like another career. So I I really went back to the (laughs) basics with my staff and then I thought, okay, I accept the fact that, you know, you really wanted to be an actor or you really wanted to be a musician and you really wanted to be a personal trainer. And these are real life examples that people gave me. But let's do this. Let's ignore the fact that this isn't something that you love doing. Because, you know, back then, In the noughties, it was about after the global financial crisis, there was this movement about if you focus on doing what you love, then you'll never work a day in your life and nonsense like that. And it was really insulting to the privilege of serving others. We don't always have to be doing a job that we absolutely love or think we love because that's often tainted, as I said, by what we grew up with what is popular in the media at that given time, even what television show was popular. You know, if there was a television show on uh, LA Law or, you know, Grey's Anatomy, people wanted to be doctors and wanted to be lawyers, and then there were shows about becoming landscapers, and then people wanted to become landscapers. So know that your, what you think you love is influenced, but what you really need to focus about is whatever you're in is to master your craft. Because there is a funny thing about human psychology. We start to love what we are really good at. Yeah? When you are really good at something, it builds confidence in yourself. So competence builds confidence. And with confidence, you start walking around with a spring in your step in your work, uh, in your business. And people will notice that. Then you become an inspiration to others. And the inspiration that you become to others lifts you even more. So that's why this is an important uh, work hack for me, you know, mastering your craft. And what does that mean? It means that keep learning in your chosen field. Stay ahead of your competition. And the way to do that is to attend training seminars as much as possible. You know, get a coach and a mentor. Make sure it is someone who has a little gray hair, you know, in business experience is everything, And making the right strategic decision comes from having experience. So keep learning the landscape in your industry. Become really good at your job. Become so good that they cannot ignore you is something that the famous comedian Steve Martin, because his story of how I became one of the most popular comedians of all time is he said, I became so good that they could not ignore me. And that is what happens when you master your craft, when you know it inside out. So immerse yourself in your job, whatever that may be, You know, laying bricks or reading a contract, writing a song, listening to a patient. Give yourself to that moment. Don't watch the clock. And by all means, never, ever make your job about money. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So the biggest mistake I see from people in my industry is that they think that they've learned it all. So you need to accept that you are never going to be perfect in your industry. And knowing that you are ordinary and staying humble when it comes to that always gets you to seek that growth mindset of learning more and more. Have that beginner's mind, I call it, that show up to work always with that beginner's mind of thinking, well, I don't know it all, what else can I learn today? Now, for business owners that are listening to this or senior executives, I want to qualify it by saying this, but also know your limitations. And that means hiring people or working with people that can work on parts of the business or the process that you're not good at. You need to stick to what you're good at, but know your limitations. My other tip is don't diversify into areas of no competence, you know, I've met many people over the years in my industry who've made a lot of money, but instead of reinvesting it into their own business, they go and start up another business thinking that they can make a, an easy buck by not being there. You know, stick to what you know, you know, <laughs> and always be reinvesting your money in your own business, in your own career by hiring more staff or opening another store or starting a new website. By reinvesting in your own career, in your own business, you'll be investing in something that you can control and something that is within your core competency. So whenever I've seen people diversify outside of their core competency, that's when they start losing money. So that's my tip. The other tip is under this hack is performance is not a popularity contest, right? Your job is to get results, And I know I said that before, but in this context, what I mean is this. If you work for someone, their success is your success. If you have clients, their success is your success. Always approach it from that win-win mindset. And lastly, my final tip under this master your craft hack is hang out with people who are just as focused as you are. You know, I've said this many times before, you know, under the tree of friendship, like attracts like, always hang out with friends that have the same standards and beliefs and values as you do, super, super critical, absolutely critical. Okay, now we get to my favorite work hack number four and that is to exceed expectations. This is a beautiful hack because when you exceed expectations and go above and beyond, you get people talking about you and it's the best marketing dollars that you can ever spend. In fact, in my business, we rarely spend any dollars on marketing. Word of mouth is the best marketing that we have. And the way we do that, and that's become our secret, is that we exceed expectations. And what does that look like? So how do I exceed expectations? How does my team serve people from the heart? If you serve people from the heart, having an emotional connection, that lifts your performance to that level of extraordinary, trust me, when you engage the heart in that partnership with the mind. So make a connection with how your work directly or indirectly makes a difference in people's lives. You know, at MSA National and our law firm, if you ask what we do at the intellectual level, it's quite simple. We process home loans. After a loan is approved, we do the documentation, we do the settlement coordination, we do the verification of the documents, then we do the funding certification and settlement, and then we register the mortgage. So that's what we do intellectually. But I always tell my team, look to the story behind each transaction. When I pick up a file and flick through it, I don't just see numbers, I get my team to connect with that story so by looking at a file I can tell hey this is a newly married couple they're buying their first apartment or it could be this is that same couple who have now had a child and they're moving out from that apartment and buying their first home or it could be that same couple 15 years fast forward and they're refinancing a home loan and consolidating all their debts. Why? Why? because this will free up some more cash flow for them, cash that they can use to buy better quality education or better quality food for their children. These are the stories. Behind every transaction is a story. And when you connect with that story, when you connect with people from the heart and treat customers like you would your own mum and dad, then you will make exceeding expectations a lot easier for yourself. So I believe treating your customers like they're your own family is the only standard you ever need in your working life it will get you to work harder and it will get you to love what you do and like i said with this work hack it will make it easier for you to go above and beyond because you do it from the heart you do it with emotion so don't make your work or business about money the moment you do so i promise you your business is going to start stagnating. You will not be inspired. You need to focus on a purpose and a mission. In September 1995, i never forget, it was the 2nd of September, when I commenced my banking and finance law firm, we did this one thing that got people talking about us. And that was my number one and only strategy. We were a startup, effectively. There were so many other law firms in banking and finance law The barrier to entry was huge and luckily we started with one client and I won't go into the story of how we picked up that client but it was doing a lot of hard work for free to get noticed, to write articles, to give free advice. Now we started with that one client and we quickly grew and it was an international bank and we quickly grew to over 35 corporate clients within 18 months Now, our firm's meteoric rise attracted the attention of the Law Society of New South Wales, which then asked me to talk at one of their functions, and the topic was how to go from being a great lawyer to being a great entrepreneur. In other words, it's not just about being a great lawyer, it's how do you grow your business, and this principle applies to everyone. You you could be a great hairdresser, but it's another thing to own a hairdressing salon and manage that. So I remember standing up on that stage and I talked very passionately about the need to commoditize and corporatize and the need for automation and systems and operational efficiency. I talked about words like transparency and I also talked about the need to motivate staff and the wellness of your staff. But then I had a comment from the back of the room from someone who said, but that still does not explain how your firm grew so quickly. So it was a confronting comment, but it it sparked my honest and my impromptu response at the time. That went something like this. I said, yeah, there is one thing that we do that gets people talking about us and spreading the word. And it's really very simple. We go beyond the call of duty. Now, to a room full of lawyers, I thought my response was going to fall on deaf ears because lawyers are obsessed with time costing and billable hours But I went on to explain that sometimes we need to perform our job not solely for the purpose of making money and operational efficiency. Sometimes we need to do more for less. Sometimes we need to make less money and even a loss from a transaction. And that happens when you go beyond the call of duty. Now, I gave examples of how my firm did not shy away from difficult customers or the difficult files you know I told them the story of how one day I received an urgent set of you know commercial loan instructions, and it was at 4 45 pm on a Friday and back then on a Friday we'd go out for drinks after work. Now, a senior paralegal and I stayed back to prepare some very complicated commercial loan contracts and then I left the office at 8 pm and drove for an hour to deliver the documents personally to the customer's home where he and his lawyer were waiting and so it was an urgent set of documents that needed to be signed because the client was flying to South Africa the next day now so I went on to, I went to the front door I never forget it because they had this big circular driveway and it was a beautiful mansion and starting out for me back then I thought it was absolutely awesome to be driving <laughs> to this uh, amazing house it was in Kalara so I I knocked on the door I received a polite thank you you know they took the documents and they and they closed the door and now I was a little bit disappointed I'll confess with you at the time coming from my cultural background hospitality is everything so they didn't offer me a glass of water or say thank it was just a really brief thank you anyway I built a bridge and got over it and went about my business and uh, Tuesday the next week we settled the file I know this is a long story but I'm getting to the Moral of the story, now two weeks later, I received a letter from the CEO of the international bank that I was acting for, and I'd never met the CEO, and the letter thanked me for going out of my way, and I quote, to help the customer. That customer also happened to be a personal friend of his. Let me tell you, over the next six months, our volume with that international bank quadrupled, and it was simply because we went beyond the call of duty and that was my message in 1997 and today there are many businesses that live by this same mantra you know there's a famous company in america called zappos that they're famous because they're known for these stories where they go beyond the call of duty. You know, they have the stories of an employee spending five hours on the phone with a bride-to-be looking for a pair of shoes. She remembered seeing in a bridal magazine. Now, do you think Zappos made a profit out of that transaction? You know, they, there's probably like a $15, $20, you know, profit margin in that sale. So five hours uh, spent on the phone, they would have made a loss. So... They definitely didn't make a profit, but it was great marketing dollars because that customer talked about her experience. There was another customer who happened to be a blogger for the Washington Post, and she had an incredible experience. She wrote about it, and their business took off. So now, I'm not saying this because I want your ulterior motive just to be marketing. I want this to be your motive because you genuinely care for the customer, and going above and beyond... As a byproduct of that, you know, gets people talking about you. And so I hope I've made, you know, my point when it comes to this work hack of exceeding expectations in your work life. Another tip I want to make with this small tip, and that is focus on implementing a solution and not talking about a problem whenever you are exceeding expectations. Uh, Exceeding expectations, you know, happens, the opportunity for it happens mostly when we you know have a problem that props up in the life cycle of a particular transaction or the customer journey and that's our opportunity for us to go above and beyond to fix it but don't waste time trying to explain the problem and wallowing in the problem fix it instead without fuss or fanfare people your customers and if and if you work for someone your boss is going to appreciate that the most And in this time-poor society that we live in, every second counts. And a second spent talking about the problem rather than doing is really a second wasted from you spending in the other areas of life, like your family, your partner, your friends, your wealth, your charity and your learning. Okay, this brings me now to the last work hack, number five. And as I said at the beginning, whenever people talk about life hacks in other blogs and it's written about, they ignore the work hacks. I don't want you to ignore work as an important part of life. So these work hacks that I'm sharing with you have been the absolute reason for my success in life. I can tell you, I I think I'm intelligent, but not the most intelligent I've come across. So intelligence is secondary. These hacks that I'm sharing with you are primary and along with an outstanding personal life as well and having high energy and taking care of your health. So, okay, what is work hack number five? And this rounds it all off and completes it because I've seen people fail at this work hack and that is to have impeccable conduct, have impeccable presentation, impeccable language, punctuality, manners, always be professional. So along with those things, what does it mean to have impeccable conduct? How do you become known as someone with impeccable conduct in your field? I'm going to give you some of these sub tips, and there's three simple ones. Number one is to support your team. Care for the people that you work with. No one is perfect, and everyone deserves a break. So answer someone's phone if they have left their desk briefly cover a shift for them, show them how to use the business tools, whether it's a computer system or some machine on their job. The other thing is that also celebrate other people's wins and never ever put them down. So that's the first way to have impeccable conduct, and that is to support other people. But also, I want to remind you, don't settle for mediocrity either, right? I'm not saying here that you should cover for other people's shortcomings or poor work ethic. And this goes for your family as well. You know, you need to be an inspiration, but you also need to challenge your team to be better at what they are. Okay, the second sub-tip for having impeccable conduct is to speak up, and that is speak truthfully at work. And I really respect people that I work with who do this. Say what's on your mind. Do not agree with ideas just to be popular. Because that's a form of lying. And in the long run, it costs the business money in failed projects. And it costs the business money in a poor customer experience. People appreciate honesty, not popularity. So I always tell my team, speak up and express your opinion, even if I don't agree with it. Also, make sure that what you say is enthusiastic. I love to have enthusiastic people in the room. They are usually the most successful, I can tell you. I think I covered this in my last podcast. Having energy and having enthusiasm is absolutely useless if you don't express it. So express that enthusiasm. Most people, you know, are afraid to come across as, you know, uh, a bit childish when they're enthusiastic or a little bit soft. and. Let me tell you, I know there are some companies out there that, you know, have a culture where people who are walking around feeling self-important and serious get noticed. Not in my organisation. I love childlike enthusiasm. And I know lots of others who do the same thing as well. So don't be afraid to be honest and speak truthfully and show your enthusiasm. Wear that enthusiasm on your sleeve. Okay, now the last sub-tip for this last life hack of having impeccable conduct at work and it's to be awesome at home first. I know many people who are awesome at work but lead a mediocre life at home and in their personal life. So my message is to show up at home like you do at work. Many of us get home but never truly show up because we are still thinking about work or we don't hold the same standards that we do at work the the standards i talked about earlier the work ethic exceeding expectations the mastering our craft being bold you need to apply those same principles at home for you to then show up to work the next day with that impeccable conduct when you show up at home not really being present that's just like being absent you need to be supportive do your fair share of chores help your kids with their homework and encourage your family to believe in themselves and their abilities. Never put your family down uh, or your friends down. So you need to have that same impeccable conduct in your personal life because it's not easily transferable. You need to be a fun person at home, not just at work. You need to be just as expressive at home and not just at work. You need to be just as energetic at home, not just at work. You need to be just as enthusiastic. So... I have made my point, and that really rounds off that last work hat beautifully because, as I said, from my experience, I've come across people with impeccable conduct at work, but that is a face that they put on. It's not the same face that they reserve in their personal life, and that is sad. You need to be authentic in all your interactions in all the areas of life because when that happens, you waste Less energy trying to be something that you're not. You need to have the same face for your family, for your partner, for your friends, for your work colleagues, and for the strangers that you come across in your life's journey. When you are your authentic self across all those interactions, then you will have more energy to devote to your work life. And your work life deserves for you to have that same mindset of you know, applying life hacks not just for your health and fitness but for your performance at work. Because ultimately when you are successful in your work life, it's going to make uh, you happier, it's gonna make you happier, you're gonna have a lot more energy and you're gonna be a lot more fun to be around in your personal life. Anyway, I hope I've made my point. Now, that uh, finishes our series on the 456 system. And as I said, it is sad, but I am really honored to have gone on this journey with you. Sad to have finished, but um, excited, equally excited to be finishing off the year with an incredible podcast with two of my favorite people on the planet who are going to talk about the Tree of Love And the tree of health just before Christmas at a time when we really need it because Christmas is the the time where we, and this holiday period is the time where we really let our health go and our relationships start to suffer. So I've got two amazing experts in both those fields that are going to help you, and then we're going to finish um, off the year that will be our last episode, and I'm going to take six weeks off the podcast and i'm going to miss you during those times because i really love producing these podcasts weekly for you but i am taking six weeks off um, finalizing my next book and we'll be kicking off the next season's podcast on the 3rd of february so thank you again for joining me this week's episode and until next week as always live consciously my friends